Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking City podcast here by the Manchester Evening News. I am your host Ash Barami and I am pleased to be joined by Stu Brennan. Hello. And Tyrone Marshall. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you too, Ty. Um, it's another win for City, Stu, and it was a naval win. Maybe the scoreline doesn't tell you everything about the game, but City have won again and at this stage of the season, that's all that matters, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, we were all, everybody jumped on the fact that in his press conference the day before, Pep Guardiola had said, um, he gave an impassioned speech about his players saying how, uh, you know, he expected to smell the desire in the in the dressing room. Um, I've smelled a few things in dressing rooms down the years, but, but never desire, I must admit. <laughs> but he also said that um, at one point, one, one set in, in, in the midst of a long flow, he said, uh, I don't care how we play. Now, some people seized upon that as being almost... Um, uh, what's the word I'm grasping for desperately? Um, uh, uh, that word. Heresy is the word I'm grasping for. I'm oh, sorry, it's been, been a, it's been a tiring 10 days. <laughs> heresy, it's almost heretical that Pep Guardiola would say that because he's all, always so much about the way you play as mm. well as winning, you know, and he sort of says that winning means nothing if you don't play in the right way and that's always been his, his ethos so for him to say the way we play doesn't matter, I mean I think people jumped on it a little bit too soon because everyone knows that he's not going to go out and start playing long ball yeah. and and you know be dogs of war and that kind of stuff, they're still going to carry on playing in the City way I think, I think what he meant was we'll try and play our normal game uh, but if it doesn't sometimes when you get to this stage of the season it's winning that actually matters mm. and if, if, it, if the football doesn't come off we're up fair enough but we've got to find a way to win the game uh, now, I, don't, I don't think that was the case I think that City actually played pretty well I mean I, I'm looking at some reports that suggest that they weren't good you know that they were a bit flat and so on I think the only way in which they were flat was in front of goal they had chances that they didn't put away Um they could have been three 0 up in inside the first few minutes. You know, David Silva hit the post when he probably should have scored. Uh, Mara's had a, quite a difficult half volley chance, which he probably would have put away when he was playing for Leicester. But given that he's he's out of touch and suffering a little bit with his confidence, he ballooned it over the bar. Um, Kevin De Bruyne went close, and it was it was pretty much like that throughout the game. There were chances coming thick and fast, and. 1-0 is always difficult um, but it was a, as comfortable as a 1-0 as you will ever as you'll ever see yeah and we'll talk about Riyad Mahrez in a bit later on but I want to feel this question of both you um, Sergio Aguero's penalty the push on Bernardo Silva just caused some reaction on social media afterwards was it lenient or was it not Ty uh, I, I, I mean I think he's he's made contact doesn't he so in this day and age I think it's it's probably a penalty. I think you probably see them given more often than not these days. So I think the right call was was probably made. You could understand. I think it was given against City. You'd probably be disappointed. But at the same time, players know the rules these days. And unfortunately, if there's contact in the box, then more often than not, it's going to be a penalty if you've not won the ball. So... I think going by the type of decisions that are given for penalties these days, then yeah, it probably was a penalty. Yeah, and perspective matters, doesn't it? In terms of who, which side you're kind of following or not. And Liverpool probably have had a few of them decisions as well themselves through, through some of them players. Stu, for you, was that was it debatable? 
I mean, I, I still to see the angle I want to see on it because I've, I've, I've seen it from like maybe two two angles, maybe three angles, and the initial contact's a bit soft. But I, it's it looks to me that his other foot catches Bernardo's trailing foot. So there, there are two there are two points of contact. The sort of the thighs come together, but then Bernardo's other foot gets clipped, and it's very especially if you've just been you know somebody's just come into you and you, your thighs have come together, uh, and you're a little bit off balance. To get a little clip on your other foot can you know you're a little bit off balance send you over. Um, so the referee had a pretty good view of it. Um, I thought I thought it was a fifty-fifty. It could go either way, and I just I was looking at uh, Dermot Gallagher, who, who reviews uh, these decisions for Sky Sports. He said he wouldn't have given it, but there are plenty of refs who would, um, you know. And so he, he was sort of saying it was one of those that could go either way. He wasn't adamant that it wasn't a penalty, but he just said he wouldn't have given it. He didn't think there was enough enough contact. So given that, it's it's a bit of a toss-up. Um, like I say, I, I think that that sec- what looks like second contact would probably uh, sway it for me if it, if it could make absolutely sure that that was the case. Yeah, and Naguero obviously took the penalty away and City did win the game 1-0 and another one of the talking points from that game was the performance of Riyad Mahrez. Um, I think there's probably two ways you could look at it, Ty. I mean, there's, is it a confidence thing with Riyad Mahrez or is it just a case of him not fitting into maybe Pep Guardiola's style of player? Yeah, I think it's just not working for him at the moment. I mean, he doesn't strike me as a player who sort of goes through spells of lacking confidence particularly he didn't strike me as a confidence player at Leicester but at the moment it's just not really happening for him I mean he started off his City career pretty well and you know especially in the big games he was the man for the big games at the start of the season he's preferred to Sane started a lot of them nowadays you know he won't he won't get anywhere near the starting 11 for the biggest of games and it's these kind of fixtures where he's almost been given a run to try and get his you know his eye back in and a bit of form back but the moment it's just not it's just not really happening for him not really clicking for him I mean him and De Bruyne seem to be on different wavelengths for for most of last night while they were on the pitch together and I mean he's clearly a good player but at the moment he doesn't look like he suits how this City side plays perhaps a bit more methodical than the likes of Sane and Sterling and you know perhaps close it down a little bit more than they normally would but at the same time you know, City is still only a point off top, still on for a potential quadruple, having not got much from their record signings. So there's no major pressure on him between now and the end of the season to perform. He's probably not going to get that many opportunities to. So I think it's a case of get him a full pre-season next year and, and hope that he kind of assimilates into the team better than he has done this year. Yeah, and Stu, would, would, it be the, would it be similar for you? I mean, is it a case of confidence or is it just a case of not fitting the style of play of Pep? It's hard to say because um, when he signed, I, I, my initial reaction when, City, when I knew City were after him was why? Because they didn't. The last thing they probably needed was another wide attacking player. You know, they got plenty of good ones. Um, I thought there were other positions that needed filling first. But once he signed him, I was excited about him because he's a kind of player that you love. You know, you pay your pay your money to go and watch. Uh, he was brilliant at Leicester. Um, I can't imagine that's evaporated from him overnight. He was brilliant when we were on tour 
Uh, I know he was he was like a senior player in, in a team mainly of kids. Um, but I thought he was absolutely excellent in those tour games that he played in. He, he looked class. Um, so I was really looking forward to seeing how he, how he went on for City in the Premier League. But he's had that problem that he's he's got fierce competition at City. He didn't have that at Leicester. He was issuing for the team every week. And I, th- I think that can affect players as well. You know, some players react well to rotation. Some players don't. Uh, I don't think I don't feel he's reacted well. Um, I, I think perhaps confidence does come into it. I'll tell you what Ty said. He doesn't strike as a, a kind of person who suffers with confidence. He's you know he's got a lot of belief in his own ability. But the chance early on, it was a difficult one. It was a half volley, and he it went over the bar. He would have scored that for Leicester. I swear he would. Um, so, given all those things, I, I feel sorry for him because, like Ty said, at, at times him and De Bruyne, there was, there was one instance where he slid a ball for De Bruyne. De Bruyne looked to, to go as he does. He makes those little charges down the channel to the byline. He sort of went as if he was going to go. And Mara slid it for him and De Bruyne stopped. And it's Mara who gets the, the stick for the mm. ball, for playing the ball out of, out of play for a goal kick. When for me, that's De Bruyne, you know, if he shows to go, he's got to carry on, he's got to carry on with his movement because how on earth is a player playing the pass supposed to know that he's going to pull up as soon as he, as soon as the pass is played? So I felt a little bit sorry for him in that. You know, there was no, there was no hiding from him, there was no lack of effort. Um, and again, a little bit of what Ty said. I'm, as soon as Bernardo came on, there was a different dimension to what City were doing. They had a load more energy on that right flank. Um, Bernardo was running here, there and everywhere, playing little passes and darting off. Mares doesn't do that. He's a bit more languid in his style. He's a bit more... Um, uh, well, just basically slower in the build-up. He, 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 stands, he looks to stand up the full-back and go past them or carve inside and, and have a shot. Uh, Bernardo's got a little bit more to him. He's a little bit more bustling, a little bit, little bit more hustle about him. Uh, and I think that suits his style better than Mahrez does. Whether, whether Mahrez will find a way to adapt, I don't know. But uh, at the moment, he's, he's fourth choice out of those, those four wide attacking players. And that's that's for two positions, so he's got a problem. Yeah, and I mean, I wonder where where the opportunities from. Like, I mean, there's still obviously an FA, FA Cup game with Swansea to come, but do you see do you see a lot maybe a long? I mean, maybe a bit harsh to say, but do you see a longer term future at City if he if he doesn't maybe adapt to Pep style of play? No, no, because why why would they? You know, if 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 a player's not not playing the same brand of football as everybody else in the team you've got a problem uh, and at the moment he isn't um, I mean it's, it's, it's soon to say because he, he's got so many good qualities and he so much wanted it to work because he we, we saw what he did at Leicester um, and if, if he could sort of translate that into and, and do it for this City team and there have been some good moments you know earlier in the season he scored a few goals uh, things were coming off for him a little bit better, so it's, it's not it's not entirely lost. But if it carries on, you know, the best thing would be for for him and the club to part the ways in, in the summer. You know, they'd still get a good price for him, City. Uh, I hope it doesn't come to that. But uh, right now, I would I would suggest that unless things improve dramatically in in the next 
six to eight weeks that uh, there will be a part in the ways. I suppose it depends as well how much Guardiola wants him to change because he knew the type of player he was buying in the summer. So you wonder if he bought him wanting kind of a, a plan B or something a little bit different out wide. I mean, okay, it's not worked, but you know, perhaps perhaps he didn't want another Sterling or Sane, a fast, direct, pacey winger. You know, perhaps he wanted something a little bit different. The fact it's not worked might might convince him that actually he doesn't need something different, and that you know what he had originally is fine, and that what he actually needs is someone similar to Sterling and Sane who can fill in and, and take a bit of the pressure off those two, rather than Mares, which may again force him to to sell but you know he, he may have been signed not necessarily to adapt totally to the way City play but to offer something a little bit different to their wide play and the fact it's not worked you know maybe Guardiola's looking at it thinking well actually yeah. maybe I've you know well, I suppose maybe 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 made a mistake maybe I don't need an alternative option alternative style out wide what we just need is do you think we'll back up? Do you think the work rate's there, or is it just just his style of play, just the way he comes across? Maybe on yeah, the I eye. Think, I think he just looks quite languid. Um, and I think the work rate's got to be there because at the start of the season he was preferred for those big games. You know, I think the first the first meeting against the other five big six sides, it was Mares that started every one of them ahead of either Sane or Sterling. Most of the time, Sane. So the work rate had to be there. He was preferred in those big games for a reason. And that was because he offered better defensive protection than usually Sane. That's completely flipped now. And if, you know, the next time they face uh, the bit of Tottenham next, I think, out of the, another yeah. big six side, you know, he won't start that game. Sane and Sterling or Sterling and Bernardo will start that game. So it has, it has completely flipped. But, you know, he, he, for the first five of those games, he was the go-to man on the wing so I think the work rate is there I think he just yeah. you know a lot of players just look languid it's kind of the Meza Ozil debate Ozil looks languid so Arsenal fans think and it's easy to pigeonhole him and say oh he's a lazy so and so but actually you're not seeing the, the running and the hard work he does just because of the way the way he looks it just gives you that sort of false perception of him yeah I don't want to pinpoint any particular moment but that penalty you, you sense at Anfield if he scores that mm-hmm. if that that could have changed absolutely everything right now if, if he scored that City would be on top Liverpool would be second it's yeah, I don't want to say it's just that moment but do you think that is also in the back of maybe Pep's mind when he does pick the team that kind of I don't think that particular moment will be, be in his mind, but I, th- I think it might have affected Mares. Mm. Um, to be fair to the lad, we we waited in the mix zone at Anfield afterwards, and he stopped to talk to us. He doesn't normally stop and talk to the media, and the number of players who would stop and talk when they just missed a penalty in a huge game like that, you could probably count them on the fingers of one hand. But to, to Mares' great credit, he did stop and and sort of front up about it and say what went wrong with his penalty and. Uh, and that he, he was he was kind of apologising to the rest of the players and the fans, um, so that clearly did affect him. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, since then he's he's had other other games where he's performed pretty well, so I'm not sure it knocked him back. Um, and and I, Guardiola certainly wouldn't base his judgment on that because it happens. You know, play, play, Sergio Aguero's missed enough penalties. Um, you wouldn't you wouldn't sort of base base any any form of judgment on 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 that fact because that, that's that, that's basically what happens in football. You you do feel that little things like that start to add up 
He just need if he got a lucky break, if that one that he half followed, if he'd have miss hit it slightly and it had gone in the top corner, everyone would have said what a great goal and then he's he's buzzing and the fans are behind him and things change. So maybe he will get chances, you know, Pep can't afford not to play him. Um like you say, Swansea is the obvious one in the FA Cup. Um maybe one or two of the, the lower teams in the league um he'll play against. And he if he could just find a bit of form, get a little bit of luck, score a goal or two, things change. I'm in football careers all the time. Yeah, things do change and we'll see what, where that develops. Um, we spoke earlier in the week about Fernandinho's injury and it was Ilkay Gundogan who was playing almost a Fernandinho role against West Ham and how do you think he got on, Stu? Um, I like Gundogan. He's a, he's a player that I, I really enjoy watching not because he does anything spectacular and flash you know you don't see him doing what Kevin De Bruyne does you don't see him doing what David Silva does particularly he does what Yaya Torre used to do which was just keep keep the play moving keep the ball shifting uh, and he's just such an intelligent player you know he, he sort of knows when to speed it up when to slow it down uh, he picks he picks those those lofted passes into the box uh, which, which have led to quite a few City goals this, this season um, but playing that Fernandinho or Fernandinho role for me, I wonder if his tackling's up to it. For one thing, um, I think ever since he, he had he had those serious knee injuries, he's looked a little bit reticent to to go into tackles. Um, and also, I think that the the injuries that he's had have, have sort of made him less dynamic than he used to be. I don't think he gets that around the pitch as much as he used to. And uh, by comparison with Fernandinho, that's a, a big, that's a big sort of downsize for City in, in terms of uh, he's, he's not offering what Fernandinho gives you, which is that thrust coming out of defence. You know, you see Fernandinho pick the ball up, he'll win a challenge, and he'll drive forwards and uh, pick a pass. Gundogan doesn't do that as much. Um, and I, I, I've said consistently that I think Kevin De Bruyne's a better fit for that position because he, he has got more of a physicality about him. He has got uh, a better passing range uh, and he's got that drive. You know, he's, I don't think there's any player on the City team that transitions from defence to attack better than, than De Bruyne. And I think you, you need that in that position. Um, I was going to ask as well, sorry. Um, do you think, you, can you see before Fernandinho returns, Pep switching that again? and maybe playing Fernandinho in that position or someone else or do you think Gundogan's always going to be the fit until Fernandinho returns um, I could see it because you never know what Pep's going to do next he changes things sometimes you feel he changes them just for the sake of it just to keep the other manager on his toes you know he, he, does, he comes up with all kinds of crazy team selections that almost invariably work out for him um <clears throat> I wouldn't surprise... I mean, Kevin De Bruyne, we've seen him play there. He played in there against Burton Albion in the second leg. Um, and that was clearly a, a trial. That was a case of, let's have a look at him, see how he does there. Um, and perhaps perhaps Kevin De Bruyne needs that at this stage because he's still still not 100% right, you feel. I thought he, he played really well last night, but um, still not 100% back to where he used to be. Uh, and perhaps that... That slightly deeper position where he's, you know, playing further forward, he gets back and defends as well. So he's up and down the pitch, up and down. 
perhaps playing that that deeper role, he'll still he'll still have to push up and get forwards, but. You know, he, he can be a little bit more withdrawn and, and hold a little bit more like Fernandinho does. So I'd I'd love to see De Bruyne in that role. I I take the point that if you put him in that role, you lose something further forward, but you don't lose as much these days because they've got they've still got David Silva. Bernardo can play that role and has been playing that role brilliantly in in uh, Kevin De Bruyne's absence. So I think City could afford to lose him from a more forward position. And I think he'd be perfect for that role. Yeah, we'll see how that how that develops going into the, the running. Um, we've got 10 league games left now, Ty. Yeah. It's pretty much just neck and neck City and Liverpool. One point the difference. City with that superior goal difference. You're looking at this weekend, City away to Bournemouth, Liverpool, I believe away to Everton yeah. or at home. Yeah, away to Everton. So it's a, it's one of them weeks that, is this from a City perspective, you look at and think, yeah, that's the game, Liverpool can drop points here. Oh yeah, definitely. And if City win on the Saturday and go two points clear with a Merseyside derby to come, then it is it's going to put the pressure on on Liverpool. It's certainly a game where you would think, um, you know, in terms of those key games, it is a key game left for Liverpool. And I think they've got more key games coming up now than than City. Most of City's big games or really tough games are, are closer to the running. So yeah, if City can get a win, it's certainly one where they can put the pressure on and. Liverpool are going to feel it. Everton, uh, you know, blow hot and cold under Marco Silva. But if there's ever a game they're going to be up for, it's going to be this Sunday and they'll be absolutely desperate to, to stop Liverpool winning the league. So if they can play their part and get a result against them, then, you know, they, they will. They're going to be bang up for it. So as long as City can can do their job on Saturday, then it puts the pressure on, on Liverpool. I know De Bruyne said to Stu last night, I think, or, or to someone in the mix zone, that, you know, City win all 10, then... You know that's all they can do, and if Liverpool get to 99 points and win it, then congratulations to them. But I think if City won all 10, then I think they would definitely win the title. I don't think there's any hope Liverpool will win the lot, given the fixtures they've got and the fact that they've looked a little bit. I mean, it was a good win for them in midweek, but they've looked a little bit unconvincing at times, and they've got a few injury issues of their own. So, you know, if City can get the first of those wins this weekend and, and go two points ahead, then I think it really puts the pressure on Liverpool. Yeah, and Stu- is almost a, is there a psychological advantage for City? Maybe them playing first, then Liverpool knowing they have to go down to uh, Goodison Park. I think normally I wouldn't say so. And whenever you talk to players, they always, you know, they say the pressure's always on anyway. No matter whether you play first, second, at the same time, or whatever, the pressure's on you to go out and win. Uh, especially in a situation like this, where neither side is is slipping up badly you know they've, they've all had the little slips but neither team has, has has done it badly but I think that this is a slightly different situation in that City going to Bournemouth where you would expect them to win it won't be easy they didn't find it easy there last season but Liverpool have got a derby and that makes it different I mean the situation will be reversed in a couple of weeks well a few weeks time when, when City go to United of course um Again, the, the derby won't. The derby's are pressured anyway, and then you've got the the, the additional need to, to win. Um, you know, City went into the derby at, at the Etihad last season, knowing that even if they lost, they were still going to win the title. It was you know it was pretty much tied down. Um, but going into a derby, which, which are high pressure situations, and you've got the added pressure 
uh, of knowing that your, your main rivals have just won to go two points ahead of you. I think that 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 will be a serious test to Liverpool if they if they if they come through that. Fair enough. You know, you, you, perhaps they are. Uh, they, they showed. I believe they were they were excellent last night. I didn't see any of the game, uh, but I believe they, they were really good against Watford. I thought Watford had given them a lot of problems. So for Liverpool to beat them five nil, fair play. Um, but derbies are a different kettle of fish. You know, you'd expect Everton, as as Ty said, you'd expect Everton to to really go the extra mile. Ever, ever, you know, when City were at Everton the other week, the Everton fans were imploring everybody they could find in City Blue to stop them winning the title. <laughs> now they've got their own chance to do so. That message will have been rammed home to those Everton players. Every time they've come across an Everton fan in the last seven, ten days, they will have been telling them, don't let them win the title. So, you know, it's, it's a chance for Marco Silver and for his players to, to, you know, they've had a pretty average season considering the spending and, and everything else. Uh, so it's a chance for them to sort of lift things up a little bit and become heroes, if only for, for a day. Yeah, and obviously before that, City do play Bournemouth and on the Bournemouth game, team news, would you think it's too soon for maybe Benjamin Mendy to return to the first, to the starting eleven or...? I wouldn't have thought he would do would throw him back into the starting eleven, and there's no need. Zinchenko was excellent again. You know, he he was one of City's best players against uh, against West Ham. Uh, so there's no need. I got the feeling that Mendy was on the bench. Uh, I think the way it would have worked was if City had been three 0 up after an hour, then perhaps put Mendy on for the last half hour. It didn't work out that way, so I think it'd be a risk to put a player on who's who's played very little football this season. So I think I think that they'll do the same again at Bournemouth. I think he'll be on the bench, uh, and if City are comfortable, throw him on, give him some time, see how he goes, and then take it from there. Yeah, Ty, would you expect? Do you think see any major changes to the City squad from the week from midweek? You wouldn't have thought so. The only possibility is I know Stu was talking about possibly De Bruyne in that role. Um, I think Bournemouth are the type of side that are going to test you in that role without Fernandinho. That's an area I think they're they're pretty strong in, although they're defensively pretty useless. I think they're you know they're, they're going to test you in in that area. They're good with runners from midfield. They're good with with players dropping into that space. So you know perhaps he even looks at Danilo in that role and brings Walker at right back and looks for a more defensive option. But then as Stu said, trying to predict what Guardiola is going to do is pretty difficult. So. Um, you know other than that you wouldn't have thought there's many changes I mean Aguero looked pretty knackered towards the end last night but I'm not sure there's much you can do about that other than perhaps playing Sterling up front I think Aguero will be asked to to go again so no I can't see I can't see many changes I mean it's a game you'd think you know it's not an easy place to go but Bournemouth are on a pretty poor run at the moment but you just wonder if there is in this title race somewhere if there is a mad result coming from at least one if not both of the teams between now and the end of the season and the sort of the, you get the sense there is you get the sense yeah. there always is yeah, yeah. yeah. There it, it just is. hasn't happened yet <laughs> yeah there always is I mean the standards are ridiculously high in this one but there are there, there could be a mad result and the, you know the funny thing about City this season is that you know a couple of their defeats the Palace defeat and the Newcastle defeat in particular have come completely out of nowhere mm. you looked at those games and you thought this is you know these are easy wins for City 
they're playing well heading into both. You know, the Leicester one came right after Palace, so you kind of understand that Chelsea away is is Chelsea away. But those two, Palace and Newcastle, just came completely out of the blue. There was no warning signs heading into those games, really, that you thought City are looking vulnerable, City are going to get beat here. There was just bang, lost. Suddenly everyone's like, what happened there? So you just, you know, that... That kind of, and that, I mean, that may, those results may be a good thing for City. Guardiola might be able to tell his players in this running, look what's happened in these games. No one expected us to lose those. So it's Bournemouth away. They're in bad form, but be on it. Do not let that happen again. More, Liverpool haven't had a result like that yet this season. Moral of the story is be cautious going into every game in the Premier League or in any game in general. Yeah, especially in the running, I think. Yeah. Just to add to that, I mean, Ty made a good point about Aguero being absolutely exhausted. Um, we don't know yet whether Gabriel Jesus might be fit for the weekend I mean Pep said at the press conference um, that him and Stones will be back soon now what soon means in Pep Guardiola's world could mean you know we, we don't really know um, but to me soon would mean he's got a, they've got a chance for the weekend because um, he was talking about Fernandinho and Emmerich Laporte being a bit more longer term they might not be ready until like around the international break uh, so given that you would think that soon means within the next week or two so there's every chance that, that Gabriel Jesus gets added to the mix and I think that would be important he was in good form uh, before he got injured he was scoring goals full of confidence um, and City need that because of course the problem is you keep playing Aguero uh, he's, he's got a long history of injuries himself you know and the last thing they need at this this point is to lose him and lose his goals. You know that that could be as as much as losing the title uh, and the Champions League as well. Yeah. Um, so you know they they want to they need to to be careful with Aguero and Jesus coming back would be be ideal this weekend. Yeah, it's worth noting that at the time of recording it's Thursday afternoon, so you'll probably find out maybe tomorrow afternoon through Pep Guardiola yeah. in his press com- press yeah. conference. So. Well, but Pep is so yeah. cagey on injuries. You might not find out, but no. you might get another cryptic <laughs> team sheet comes out on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. he, he will he will say something equally vague about how long he's out. I mean, you've got to, what you've got to realise. I mean, fans go mad about this. They, they sort of think we're not doing our job by telling them how long players are out for, but the this regime at City Pep wants those things kept under wraps and it is pain of death if, if anyone lets it out how long the player's out for how bad it is um, it's it's possibly a sackable offence you know obviously if it's another player that might be different but any member of staff who, who lets that kind of thing out is in serious trouble with the management he doesn't want anything coming out he doesn't want any advantage to be handed to, to the opposition uh, so when he's, whenever he's in a press conference he's deliberately vague he's deliberately obtuse and no matter how many times you push him on it and no matter how many times you ask the press office and no matter how many times you, you, you talk to contacts at the club they don't tell you or very very rarely do you get any kind of indication as to how long a player is going to be out you just have to live with it and, and then all of a sudden the player will pop up and he'll be on the, <laughs> he'll be on the team sheet. Squad sheet. So, yeah. 
It remains to be seen, but that's all about what we have time for, I think, today. Thank you, Ty. Thank you, Stu, for joining me. Um, if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Acast or Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen to the Talking City podcast on. We will be back probably sometime in the middle of next week, so stick around and we'll join you soon.